Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. It's the end of the year! Yay! Yay, we're in the final episode of the year. We are going to be talking about all of the RPGs, or at least the ones that we really liked, which um, actually there were quite a few, and mm-hmm. there wasn't a ton of overlap in our lists, which mm-hmm. might surprise people because we are always seeming to walk in lockstep <laughs> in terms of RPGs. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me today is Nadia Oxford. Hello, happy holidays. Happy holidays to all of you, too, you filthy liberals, you. <laughs> War on Christmas, hashtag, hashtag. Um, and as usual, we talk about RPGs, big and small, Eastern and Western. And uh, yeah, this is the end of 2016. It's the last episode of the year. And we're going to go on a little break mm-hmm. just for about a week, actually. And then we'll be back um, to begin the year all over again. The hype cycle will begin anew and we will have to... Try and find stuff to talk about because there won't be a lot of <laughs> RPGs coming out in January. But I, I think we'll persevere. We, we, we do have some stuff to talk about, like another Persona 4 Golden Report. Mm-hmm. We have some headlines mm-hmm. um, from the year, some observations, headlines in the world of RPGs. Um, and, of course, we're going to highlight our favorite five RPGs each. And we're going to finish by reading some of your emails with favorite RPGs and also talking about the games that we wish we had kind of gotten to but didn't really have time to. Yeah. So, yeah. So first things first, Nadia, Persona 4 Golden Report. How you I, doing? Well, I should, first of all, we should make like a little like audio cue to like... Uh, like a drop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we can, do a real, we can be a big kid RPG <laughs> podcast. Breaking news. As, I was going to say Big Kid Podcast, uh, where we have, like, actual drops, but uh, I don't know. If somebody wants to make me, like, um, a Persona 4 Golden Report, like, drop, I will totally play it on the podcast, as long as it's not, like, vulgar or something. <laughs> it has to be totally stylish, though. Yeah, no. Like, um, in one of the podcasts that I always listen to, um, whenever they go and do their MLS report, they're always like, MLS, and then there's a sound of a, an eagle screaming by. <laughs> it makes you feel very patriotic. So yeah, something like that, but for for Persona 4. (laughs) That'd be great. Yes. So Nadia, Persona 4 Golden, how you doing? Well, I'm halfway through May. Um, All right. Oh, you're halfway into May. What's going on? Well, I finished up Golden Week. I just finished up my midterm exams. Congratulations. Um, Did you get a good score? I did. Were you in the top of the class? I haven't checked that yet, or I haven't heard anything indicating one way or the other, But uh, because I just finished the midterms. The damn midterms always stressed me out so badly in Persona 4 and in Persona 3 as well, because you'd get to the damn midterms, the damn midterms, and you're always like studying like crazy Mm -hmm. because you want to get all the rewards. Yeah. But you have to be at a certain level in terms of your studying ability. Yeah. See, I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough yet for that. Probably not. You have to kind of time it out perfectly to be able to get all the rewards. Here's the deal. I don't think there's anything super crucial that you're missing if um if you don't uh, if you're not at the top of your class. I, I think it helps your person. I think it helps your popularity. Yeah, they mentioned that a few times. Um, and if it and if it helps your, which is funny, that's so Japan. It is <laughs> top of the class. Wow, they must be the coolest person in the school. <laughs> that actually reminds me. In in Japan, they they go to school on Saturdays, huh? Or for half a day, or. Yeah, they do it for like half a day, often for like clubs and stuff. Oh, I see. Still. Yeah, like clubs are a big deal there, um, as you may have noticed in Persona 4. So. Yeah, yeah, and actually I joined the music club. Um, oh, yeah, the music club's great. And you can meet somebody who's playing like the clarinet or something. Yeah, but uh, if I become like friends with like 
other girls will the guy will the girl I'm trying to to court be mad at me? No. Okay, good. So I can be she nice to people. She will only be mad. So the thing is uh certain girls, you can date certain girls. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the highest level of affection with them, mm-hmm. which I forget what the rank is. It might be like as high as level 10. Yeah, it seems to be. Once you hit the top rank, um you will have the best relationship and it will kind of give you an option to start dating them right and then if you do decide to do that that's when you get into trouble if okay you, because you can do that with multiple girls right but you got to choose and you yeah. gotta break somebody's heart Aww. so be careful yeah here the other thing is <laughs> you do actually definitely want to get everybody in your party up to the max level because mm-hmm. that unlocks um a super variant to their persona oh sweet yeah, so you want to do that. Like, they, it makes them more powerful. Yeah, and uh, I guess I'm about to um, go into the uh, TV to again because I saw someone else on the Midnight Channel, the, the biker, the, oh, the no. kid who busts up bikers, whatever his name is. Ah, uh, yes, yes. This is going to be a good story. I'm really looking forward to your your thoughts on this story because it's, it's been controversial over the years. And oh, really? I, yeah. I'm, in fact, I think I'm... Oh, yeah, no. When we did that <clears throat> podcast um, a few months ago where you were talking about the portrayals of Jewish people and Valkyria Chronicles, and mm-hmm. I was talking a little bit about how uh, LGBT people are portrayed in Persona 4, we covered that a little bit. So I'm looking forward to your thoughts. Yeah, that should be interesting. Looking forward to Indeed. playing it. So, okay, so you're moving into the next phase of the story. Right. Well, <laughs> I got... A letter from somebody who wants Ooh. to talk, who wanted to talk a little bit about our Persona 4 updates. They they say that they are a big fan of it. <laughs> Thank which you. Which I'm a big fan of it too. Uh, this is from Sean Kirkland. He just said that he finished Persona 4 Golden this year. And I think one of the most interesting things about it has been trying to figure out how different parts of different choices affect events in the game. Because mm-hmm. the game is so long, there aren't a lot of people that have played through it multiple times to take notes. Since that community is so sensitive to spoilers, there aren't a lot of comparative conversations either. I talked to a friend about an event that happened in my playthrough, dated Chie exclusively, and (laughs) nothing like that happened in his, dated Yukiko and Risei. And we've had a tough time figuring out whether the change happened because that's a Chie-only event, or if it's because I never cheated on Chie, or if it was something else entirely. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great holiday season catching Pokemon by the fireplace. Look forward to hearing about the RPGs of 2017. That's really interesting. And the the other thing is there's so much going on in this game at any given time. And there's so many events. There really the are. The game is so long that you just kind of forget a lot of what's happened. So it's hard to have a, like, a really encyclopedic knowledge of mm-hmm. all the things that happen in Persona 4. <laughs> and there's so many variables. It's like, who are you going to spend? The, you know, do you want to talk to so-and-so? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? Like, I made friends with a fox, which is cool. I like foxes. Yeah, I love the fox. He's awesome. I, Right, because you give the offering and everything. Yeah, so I've been doing quests for him because he's yeah, a fox. I, yes, you're, you do the quest for him, and he's making people happy. Am I right? Yes, he is. He like the first thing he did was help a grandfather who couldn't walk properly, so mm. he gave him some leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, as you help them, that raises up his uh, social link. Yes. Uh, to be fair, I mean he's a fox, and he's in it for the money too because he wants the offerings. <laughs> But uh, I do love how his like traditional sort of uh, bib that the foxes wear, the Yanari at the Yanari shrine, it's like kind of like a, a red, like a baby's bib with like hearts on it. Mm. <laughs> so just those little little cute touches uh, get to me. 
Spoiler alert, you cannot date the fox. Oh, poor foxy. Sad. Can poor I pet fox. the fox? Yes, well, maybe, maybe in the game. <laughs> I, I think there's some, I think it actually says you spend some time playing with the fox or uh. like you spend some time petting the fox and it shows the fox like dancing around, like jumping around you and everything, which I want a fox buddy. Yeah, me too. That'd be a lot of fun. I like, like foxes. Just be able to be like, oh, hello, fox, fox. <laughs> um, right now I have a very lazy cat that likes to interrupt my podcasts. So. I have I have three. They're kind of like foxes. I mean, foxes are like dog cats almost. Oh my God, are they? We kind of have that, that really attitude. Hmm. And they make the cutest noises. They do. They go yip, yip, yip. It is insane how cute foxes are. You know what also is really cute? Hedgehogs. Hedgehogs are very cute as well. Look up a video of a hedgehog eating pumpkins. <laughs> oh my God. The sound that it makes will just like send you flying off your chair or something <laughs> and just rocking around like rolling around on the floor going this is too cute this is too cute rolling around at the speed of sound rolling around <laughs> at the speed of sound all right so that's been our persona 4 golden report a little shorter than usual but i mean we haven't so you you've completed the first dungeon mm-hmm. uh the gang's all back together you've completed midterms like a good student and now you're moving on to the next phase of the story meeting your new character i am so when we get to that part, we can talk about it. Yes. Because I'm sure we're going to have some thoughts. I'm interested to hear your initial impressions on him. Sweet. Uh, fun character. Maybe one of my favorites in the game. So, continuing on to in our year in 2016 recap for RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about all of the headlines and the games and the RPGs that we liked. There are a lot of RPGs as usual. RPGs are alive and well. They are. I, I would say more popular than ever. I always think it's funny. People are like, oh, RPGs, that's kind of a niche thing, blah, blah, blah. But every no. year, like, an, they're like coming out at the speed of sound and people are playing them and talking about them. And they always seem to find their way into a bunch of top ten lists. Like yeah, and uh, he, as as we talk now, Parrish has a a a thing up on the site saying like you know the JRPG is alive and well. Well, I think that's a given. Yes, and he's JRPGs right. are most certainly alive and well, despite the attempts to treat them as a niche proposition by some of our colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that people at the end of the day, Nadia, just like long involved emotionally emotional journeys. Yes, absolutely. I know I do. That's that's why I play RPGs. They're they're just the the kind of thing that's fun to get back to at the end of a day. Like they're kind of like reading a good book. Yes, that is exactly right. People are once upon a time RPGs were differentiated by the very fact that they had a story. Mm-hmm, indeed. Because, you know, back in the 16-bit era, like, most games were platformers or action games. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're playing this story. And it was unique and interesting and different, especially if you're a console player and didn't have access to adventure games on the PC. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nowadays, of course, every game has a story. (laughs) Pretty much. Even your your boom-boom shoot-em-ups like Doom and... Uh, in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, they have stories. Mm-hmm. And Call of Duty is like, oh, let us tell the emotional story of this ship's crew. And I'm like, no, I don't care. But okay. <laughs> and but, uh, Titanfall 2 had um, yep. y- you and the mech. Yes. Uh, best friends forever. Best friends Yay. forever. Holding hands, you skipping down the, the lane. Yes. I-, I want that game, by the way. I'd- I wouldn't mind trying it out. I wouldn't put it passed um some machinima makers to like make like the little 
thing of like the the mech dancing with the person down the lane <laughs> down the yellow brick road but uh i i think this was kind of this is getting on a tangent i guess but like even t- like today what separates rpgs is just the fact that not only do they have a really interesting involved story they do mechanics in a way that's much more interesting than most games mm-hmm. uh most games want to be this hyper accessible experience <clears throat> where everything is kind of happening for you. Right. And you're just kind of passively along for the ride mm-hmm. and you're enjoying it. Like a game like Call of Duty, uh, the, the single player campaign is fun, but you're enjoying these set pieces passively. Yes. The Everything that is happening around you is orchestrated by the game developers, where in RPGs, you have a lot more control over the development of your character or mm-hmm. over your own fate. Uh, and not only that, but like, I'm a systems-oriented uh, kind of gal, and mm-hmm. I like really interesting uh, ways of expressing combat or expressing character development, and that, at the end of the day, is what I get out of RPGs. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I never thought of it as, like, uh, the systems, the customizable systems would be a, a real draw for some people, too. I mean, it's not as much for me. I'm more of it for the story, but yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the draw. Mm-hmm. It is why I like RPGs and mm-hmm. strategy games for that matter. Yes. Because, you know, at the end of the day, and this is not to get too on the case of like AAA games, um, <laughs> uh, we're doing our awards actually. And it just occurred to me that Uncharted 4 did not get mentioned once. Oh, that's, that's crazy. right. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I, I mean, I guess we're five people with very specific outlooks and tastes. Um, that's kind of crazy. I did like. But, what, do you know if like any other sites are are kind of celebrating? Oh no! Uncharted 4? I guarantee Uncharted Four is getting celebrated mm-hmm. because I mean it was a gorgeous game, mm-hmm. um, very passive experience. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, like it's there because of the amazing graphics and the pretty good story, mm-hmm. and because you're invested in the character of Nathan Drake and like Uncharted Four. Like this is not to rag on Uncharted Four. And I don't remember what the heck point I was trying to make by mentioning <laughs> Uncharted 4. Um, but yeah, no. See, I like these really in-depth experiences. I think that's what I was trying to get to. Mm-hmm. I've played a billion set-piece driven games at this point. They are no longer novel. It is no longer mm-hmm. novel to get into a cannon and shoot a bunch of people. Okay? It's no longer novel to be running away from the giant monster that's chasing after yeah. you. Yeah. It's not 2005 anymore. I've done all that stuff. Yeah. There are different permutations. There are different ways to make it interesting, I guess. Um, And no doubt that a company like Naughty Dog is doing an amazing job uh, with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But for me, it feels so artificial. It bores me to tears. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I say that I'm more into the story than I am to the systems, but when I think about it, it's the systems in the background that are kind of driving my my passion to keep on playing because uh, when I have a game that's just narrating directly to me all the time, I, I kind of get bored. Like, I don't like being read to, for example. So it, mm. I guess it's a little bit like that. Yeah, I suppose. But not only that, but, like, there's just no tension in the a lot of these scenes where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get through it. Yes, you're trying to make me feel emotions, but my cold black heart is barely beating. <laughs> Press X real quick. Yes, uh, what was it? Press X to pay respects or something uh, like press that? Press F to pay respects. <laughs> press F to pay respects, and yeah. it was going F, 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 F,
I'm glad that everybody noticed the absurdity of that one stupid, uh, God, that stupid game, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Shit, this, this is, I, once again, I don't want to rag too much on uh, traditional action-oriented AAA releases. They definitely have their places. Mm-hmm. I just, we like RPGs on this podcast. That is why we are and, an RPG podcast. And RPGs are great. My uh, celebrate some. My, I was going to say my brother is a, a major Call of Duty fan, but he doesn't play the campaigns at all. So <laughs> mm. there are plenty of people who only play the campaigns. Yeah, because for them it's like Fast and the Furious Eight, mm-hmm. right? Well, it comes out every year. You don't play it because you're getting anything deep and meaningful out of it. You can be playing it because you had a long day at work and you need to blow some stuff up. Yes, exactly. Totally respect that. Sometimes RPG. Sometimes I'm just like I can't do this. I need to. I just need to do the explodey, and then I play Battlefield <laughs> 1, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> enough about that. We love RPGs. We do. So let's talk about some headlines from this year, shall we, Nadia? We shall. Headline 1. What does it say when the best Western RPG of 2016 was an expansion pack? That's uh, The Witcher 3. Um, was that Blood Witcher and... Witcher 3, Blood and Wine. Yep. Um... It says that, uh, well, it's uh, not been a great year for Western RPGs, I guess. I would agree with that, Nadia. Thank you for confirming <laughs> what I was going to say. I mean, not to say that next year won't be good, by all means, just it was a little bare this year. I think la- next year will be an excellent year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we were a little spoiled last year. We were. I mean, last year we were still getting DLC for Dragon Age Inquisition. We were getting... We got... Witcher 3, which was probably the best RPG that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those two RPGs alone were just ma- massive. Yes. Massive releases that uh, Witcher 3 is still extremely relevant now. And its expansions, uh, in its expansion, Blood and Wine, like, like, it's not saying that this year was terrible because that expansion. It, it was actually almost saying that that expansion was so good that it overshadowed everything yes, else. Yes, exactly. Because it was like a game in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't play it much myself. Yeah, I never got a chance to play the first one. I really got to get to that. Well, I've had my say about Witcher 3. Yes. I I do actually plan to get back to it. <laughs> Someday, <laughs> I'm going to get through this game. I swear to God. Nadia. Promise. I promise I'm going to get through this game. But if you're looking through the rest of the year, okay, Bioware... Uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Pretty much radio silence. I mean, they. I, I think they updated the Old Republic. Well, that was last year, actually. Yeah. Uh, we got a new World of Warcraft expansion, which we is did. great if you're into World of Warcraft. I, I personally am not into World of Warcraft. Me neither. Uh, Fallout 4 actually kind of petered to a close. Mm-hmm. DLC was not great. Yeah, you covered that. Uh, the um, Nuka, Nuka World, I think it was Nuka last. Nuka World was not good. Yeah. Not good. No, very bad, actually. If bad. anything, Nuka World like really drove home to me like that the combat when you're just doing combat it can be pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Far Harbor was amazing, mm-hmm. great, great, great expansion, and it's actually kind of sad that it's a little bit forgotten because uh, people seem to like to rag on Fallout Four for like being more of a streamlined action oriented experience, but Far Harbor was everything that Fallout Four should have been. Right. And, like, every time I do go back to Fallout 4, I get really hooked all over again on building settlements. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so much fun. And I love, that's just a thing that I do. It's, they're my dollhouses. Aww. All my little digital, like, robot men walking around. 
um, and all my furniture and everything. I, so. could, I couldn't even play Fallout 4 very much because it was just giving me the most terrible motion sickness I'd, I've had in really? years. Oh, really? Yeah, really? it was awful. And I mean, people were saying, oh, do this, do that, change the resolution, change the this and that. And I, I tried it all. It just, I could not stomach it, so to speak. Huh. Well, that happens. That happened to me with Portal. Yeah, ex- oh, Portal is deadly to me. I can <laughs> I can <laughs> barely watch it on YouTube, but I, I like watching it on YouTube because it's so funny and cute. But um, yeah, I kind of have to... Uh, you, you never know when it's going to hit. Because, I mean, Skyrim I'm fine with, but Fallout, mm. th- Fall- uh, Fallout 4 just killed me. I suppose I should mention that Skyrim uh, Remastered did come out this year. Mm, yeah, uh, of course. It was but... the big. It was a big Western RPG of this fall. Uh, it was much. a five-year-old RPG <laughs> with some nice sunsets. Very nice sunsets. Um, I actually just deleted it off my computer. Did you really? Yeah, because I already like did everything I wanted to do in Skyrim. Yeah, there's that. I mean, it's not like it brought a whole bunch of new content to the the game. Like I um, said in my I... review, it was really more for console owners, which is fine. Yes, exactly. Like, I was playing the PC version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked nice on my PC. Uh, I was even able to reload into my old game without That's any cool. problem. Um, unlike uh, what our, our sister site, RPS, was reporting a bunch of problems. Yeah. We actually, I actually had no problems. So, But uh, after playing for, like, after playing for a few hours and admiring the new, like, textures and everything and going, oh, that's nice, um, and trying to remember how to get into stuff like the map. <laughs> uh, because the funny thing is I actually play on a controller even though I'm playing on the PC. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. Because uh, playing on the keyboard just isn't that fun with Skyrim on the PC, weirdly enough. Um, I, yeah, no, I was like, yep, I got everything I wanted out of this game. <laughs> immediately deleted. That's uh, that's the luxury of being in the press is like if you when you're not in the press you make an investment in a game mm-hmm. and you're like I bought this game and then you want to play it. Yes. When I'm not in the press, I'm the kind of person who just goes and buys uh who, who I'm the kind of person who buys one game at a time, mm-hmm. plays it to completion, goes hmm and puts it away like a good book. Right. Uh Skyrim I would not have purchased if I were not in the press. Mhm. Because I already did that. Yeah. That's understandable. Bender did that. Yeah. But you liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, but like I said, my initial Skyrim, actually my entire Skyrim experience is on consoles. So it was neat to kind of see what PC gamers have been raving about this whole time. Because, of course, PC gamers have been playing with like graphical upgrades since the beginning of time. So Indeed. Yes, and some of them look better than the remastered version. Admittedly, yes. Plus, um, you also had the, the people. God, people made their own quests and everything. Like the mods. Oh, yeah. That they essentially made, made their own game. Yeah. Yeah. Really like the survival stuff. Regard. Yeah. Made it really hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I didn't really need that stuff in my life, but I can understand that some people do. Yeah, I'm glad it exists. And uh, I'm, from what I hear, a lot of people use it to kind of uh, pad out their portfolio. Like, hey, this is what I can do. I made this whole expansion for Skyrim. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Good for them. Uh, some Some RPGs... Western RPGs that did come out that were really good, aside from Witcher 3 Blood and Wine, uh, Darkest Dungeon, which we'll get to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Stardew Valley, which <laughs> was based on a Japanese property. Indeed. And it was a, this nostalgia piece. Uh, so a couple of indie RPGs. A lot of stuff got pushed out of 2016. Uh, Divi- Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, Torment Tides of Numenera is not coming out until next year. That's two big ones right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyranny came out this year. It did. Uh, 
but that surprisingly like it was i i feel like that one got overlooked uh yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of great things about it like people talking about it and how much they love it so i'm, I'm hoping that it sold well I think it came out right at the same time as Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and I think the people who were predisposed to reviewing Final Fantasy 15 mm-hmm. uh, backburner Tyranny. Yeah. I know because Polygon did not get their review of Tyranny up for quite a while after Final Fantasy 15. And I know that I backburnered Tyranny immediately because I had to get into Final Fantasy 15 ASAP. Right. Which is too bad because what I played of it was really good. Yeah, we it talked really about it on the podcast. I enjoyed it. I didn't play too much yeah. of it, but I did enjoy it. So yeah, I felt like it got overshadowed a little bit. So, but well, I, I, I think hope... next year will be a lot stronger. Yeah, and I hope people do pick up Tyranny. Um, yeah. if, if you're looking for something over the holiday, by all means, grab it. Absolutely. All right, headline number two, Nadia. Mm-hmm. The 3DS is still cooking. It really is because of RPGs and the Vita too. Yay, Vita! Yeah, keep on we going, love you too, guy. Vita. You're still good. Pet, pet, pet. <laughs> I've been playing my Vita like crazy. It even came with me down to Anaheim. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. Cough, cough, cough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not going to talk about it some more. I promise. (laughs) There are some people who really love hearing about it, though, who listen to the show. So maybe you should. I think like two. Somebody called you my Gundam therapist. (laughs) Yes, they did. Said Austin, get on your get on the podcast so that you can be Cat's Gundam therapist. <laughs> Austin Walk. I love that Austin Walker is in charge of Vice Waypoint, one of the mo- most major new websites on the internet, and he is like a giant Gundam fan. Like this, uh, kind of warms the the cockles of my heart. I gotta say, your black heart. Yes. So the reason I I dropped this one in Nadia is you were talking to me about how. The 3DS is actually pretty darn hard to find this holiday season. Yeah, I was surprised to learn that. But if you if you look it up, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's not impossible. We're not talking about NES Classic levels here. But um, apparently it's selling really, really well this year. And, and that's fantastic. Um, I have a feeling number one, hmm. Pokemon, is undoubtedly behind. I was going to say, well, there's something that came out this year. Some there's small Something that might drive game. sales. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there's that. Um, and it also makes me happy because I actually put the system on my on our uh, list of our gift guide list mm. that was because everyone was recommending oh you know xbox one or you know ps4 or neo and i'm like you know what i really enjoyed my nintendo 3ds this year i, I think you should all get one if you don't have one and uh, well, a bunch of the me. games came out for it yeah um smt4 apocalypse came out for it it did pocket card jockey came out for it mm-hmm. um Pokemon, of course, came out for it. Dragon Quest Seven came out for it. Monster Hunter. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven seemed to obsess a large part of our community for it a did. good chunk of the year. So, I, I mean, if you're an RPG fan, especially traditional Japanese RPGs, the 3DS was the place to be this year. My mm-hmm. God. It really was. And uh, Dragon Quest Eight's coming out, so you yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah, no, and the fact that... And, and Pokemon appears to have been really driving sales. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, our... The RPGs aren't really coming out yet uh, for the SNES Virtual Console if you have a new 3DS. Mm-hmm. But they should. They should. Uh, I think the Breath of Fire games are there, one and two. Yes. Yes, Breath of Fire. And I know that you you are a uh, you are a booster of that series. I am. I'm a big fan of Breath of Fire. Um, it's got its flaws, but uh, damn, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, the Vita has Trails of Cold Steel too. It does. 
And a lot of those really quirky, uh, just really different RPGs mm-hmm. that come out of Japan. Um, uh, well, and plus stuff like that's just gorgeous, like uh, Odin Sphere, Lestrezir, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, it, it seems like in Japan, it's just a matter of course that RPGs are released on both the PS4 and the Vita, unless yes. you like Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, which can't isn't really possible. And you know what? I usually get the Vita version. Yeah, yeah, I can see why. Um, usually the transition has been very good, as I understand. I regret getting Dragon Quest Builders on it. I should have gotten it on the PS4. Yeah, but that's the only one you've really mentioned that you regretted. Well, yeah, because it's just so much prettier on the PS4. Mm-hmm. But in any case, yeah, so handhelds, uh, still doing pretty well, it seems like. And I think all RPGs are a large part of that. Mm-hmm, I agree. And I'm glad to see. All right. Final point, a good year for non-traditional RPGs and a couple of games that we highlighted here, Pocket Card Jockey and yes. Dragon Quest Builders. Yes, indeed. Uh, Pocket Card Jockey, I think we both played the hell out of that one. Um, mm-hmm. It is nuts. <laughs> 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 what what a crazy-ass game, but what a lot of fun it was. Just, hey, let's put together solitaire and horses. Why the hell not? So I, I'm yes. okay with that. Yes. I suppose I would add that it's been a pretty dang strong year for Japanese RPGs. It and has. I this everybody's going to say we're biased. Do you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. We are in fact biased toward Japanese RPGs on this podcast because um, that's kind of what we cut our teeth on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tends to jump out at us the most. We are more inclined to give the time of day to uh, the really small niche Japanese RPGs. Um, if the the Japanese equivalent of tyranny, I probably would not have backburnered in favor of Final Fantasy XV. But of course, I'm still going to play Western RPGs and enjoy them, and some of them I really, really, really love. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be uh, honest, both uh, a lot of Western RPGs are cross pollinating with uh, yes Eastern. I mean, heck, we just talked about Stardew Valley. Yes, absolutely. So, but so my point is, even though we're biased, I still think that. It's fair to say that between Fire Emblem Fates and Final Fantasy XV, mm-hmm. uh, you could argue Dark Souls Three, um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It's been a real Dragon Quest Seven. Yes, like J- JRPG fans have had an embarrassment of riches this year. <laughs> I really have. Uh, it, it's not just little games; it's big games too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a banner year. It has. It really has, and I've really enjoyed it. And that's why, like, I've I was noticing, like, at, at one point, I was like, man, we've talked like Jap- about Japanese RPGs like every week for like months, but there's something new coming out. There's something new and different to talk about, like every month, like every week. It felt mm-hmm. like this entire like each month. Yeah, we 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 really didn't have a hard time finding topics this year. Absolutely not. I mean, and we did our best to cover stuff like tyranny and things, but. It, but then we would round back to whatever new and interesting thing had just come out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, we did spend like three weeks on Final Fantasy fifteen. But... Well, but it's Final Fantasy fifteen. It took ten years in development. Give us a bone here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a Japanese RPG fan, I think you were pretty happy this year. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any other observations from this year? I would love to hear them. Send me to, them to capbailey at usgamer.net. Or tell me on Twitter. Um, I will read your responses on the show. Uh, what did you notice? Uh, were there any mechanics that jumped out at you? Any kind of design trends? Uh, did you 
do you want to quibble with my assertion that it was actually a somewhat middling year for Western RPGs? I, I want to hear it. Um, maybe maybe we missed uh, some big RPG that we should have been talking about. She's like, uh, duh, cat, you're an <laughs> idiot because you didn't talk at all about Deus Ex uh, whatever, uh, which was in fact a large Western RPG that came out and was critically acclaimed and then fell off everybody's radar like immediately. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, it fell off the radar so completely that I just f- remembered it right now. That's really too bad. I mean, I... Deus Ex isn't really a series I'm, I'm a fan of, but uh, I hear it was great. Mankind Divided? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people were taking issue with this rather ham-fisted, like, apartheid uh, uh, thing. Mm-hmm. But I know that, I think it was Mike who reviewed it. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. It was just, uh, I don't know, like, it came out, everybody reviewed it, and then nobody was reading anything to do with that. Yeah. Uh, game like nobody seemed to be clicking on the articles so everybody stopped reading writing about it because there was no point mm-hmm. that's too bad and it was just like it did not generate any conversation whatsoever I, I think the stealth action game elements of it are a lot stronger in my mind than the actual rpg elements mm-hmm. and i don't actually like stealth action games yeah i'm not a huge fan of stealth action. i actually kind of hate them <laughs> that was actually um one game that everyone was raving about this year was owlboy which was an indie game. Uh, yes. Did really, you play that? I did. Um, I actually played most of it. And it's a gorgeous game. Sounds fantastic. And the characters are adorable and everything. But there's so much stealth action in there that I just... Uh, I, it never clicked with me, put it that way. And then I'm like, oh, I'll, it'll click soon. It'll click soon. Then I get to the end of the game. It's like, oh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Holy it just... man bursts out of the wall. He's just waiting for his moment. <laughs> Yeah, so I wonder if the Kool-Aid man likes stealth action games, but either way, I'm not a big fan. I don't want... I feel like I'm being a hater on everything in this episode. Aw, no, no, it's valid criticism. Well, it's been such a busy year, you can't really pay attention to everything either. I guess not. Especially um, when no one else is talking about that's, it. I mean, it, yeah. Uh, do you do you want to, like, boost Deus Ex Mankind Divided? I, I really want to hear your thoughts. If you want to tell me like how wrong I am, the just kind of dismiss it out of hand. Just send me an email uh, and defend it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If, if you are a defender, um, I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who really enjoyed it um, and really got into it. So I want to hear your thoughts. Quibble with us. You can't play everything. I was playing something else. I might have been knee deep in No Man's Sky at the time. Mm-hmm. Which man, mm-hmm. that was a game to get knee deep into. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get much further than like you know maybe your hips, and then that's it. Uh, maybe up to my ankles. <laughs> yeah, that's about as far as I got. Like, I was like, man, I'm walking far into this ocean. But for some reason, like the water is just going right up to my ta- ankles. And my, my toes are a little bit wet, I guess. <laughs> I thought there was supposed to be a deep ocean here. What, what's going on? Poor no man's Well, guy. it's kind of a nice, pleasant, uh, the water's pleasant at least. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Go for a Kind of nice tide washing over me a little bit, but... There's nothing here. Mm-hmm. I'm bored. I'm going to go have a beer. <laughs> that was my No Man's Sky. And that's guy No Man's Sky. <laughs> that's I'm no going to have guy. a beer. That's a tagline. All right. Nadia, mm-hmm. we each picked our fav- five favorite RPGs. And we settled on the same RPG, our RPG of the year for Acts of the Blood God. Blood God approved. Yes, Blood God approved. Get that rubber stamp the bl- out. The Blood God is very pleased with our choice. But we also had some different games. Mm-hmm. So let's start by going through your five favorites and stop at, we'll stop at two. 
Okay. And then we'll go over to mine. Okay. And then we'll finish with one. How okay. about that? Sounds All good. Right. So your first one, Nadia, Dragon Quest Seven. Indeed. Um, I put like over 100 hours into it. Um, I did. My God. How did you put 100 hours into that game? Well, first of all, the story itself. <laughs> that took up a <laughs> bit of that. It's that long. That's crazy to me. Uh, yeah. And even though um, I didn't grind very much uh, and I, you know, they did streamline much of the story, but it's still, it's still a long ass game. Hmm. And, um, but then it got to like some of the bonus dungeons and I actually, um, most of the bonus dungeons have like bosses that are, you know, kind of just big versions of, of old enemies. But then I got up against one that's like this little pip guy, like little like, adorable goblin. He, and he's equipped with the Zenithian equipment from Dragon Quest IV. And I'm like, is that the Zenithian sword? Is he brandishing that at me? And then he just wiped me out, like, in, in two seconds. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I'm done. But I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> so what is an Zenithian sword from Dragon Quest IV? Oh, Zenithian sword. Uh, basically, it's uh, the Zenithian equipment is the best legendary equipment from like the um the Zenithian saga which is Dragon Quest 4, 5 and 6. It's kind of oh. like Loto sword oh, right, okay. from like 1, 2 and 3 for example. So if you see right. an enemy dressed up in all his bullshit from Dragon Quest 4, you know you're going to get destroyed and that's what happened to me. Womp womp. Yep. Was it like a bonus boss or something? Oh yeah. 100%. Oh, okay. I I love these little references that they drop in Dragon Quest even though the games themselves are mostly separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 were kind of an arc. Yes, and uh, 4, 5, and 6 were an arc as well. But after that, it's kind of... A kind lot of, more discreet. It is, and that's why I'm Wait, kind of... Wait, 4, 5, and 6 were an arc. Yes. Even though, but they had much different stories. They did. They weren't quite as connected as 1, 2, and 3, but they are They are definitely connected. Oh, And okay. um, that's why I'm so interested in 11, because in the trailer, the uh, the hero has Loto's sword. It's like, okay, where the hell did he get that? Right, they just showed um, a whole bunch of stuff from Dragon Quest Eleven. Mm-hmm. So let's, we got a lot to cover in this episode, so let's make a pact. We're we totally going to talk about it in the next episode. I gotcha. All right, because gotcha. that's that's a big one to cover, and I think it's coming out next year. Yeah, it is, 2017. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so excited for Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh, that's going to be the perfect Switch game. I know, yay. <sighs> so good. All right, so you really like Dragon Quest Seven, like I Ultimately, like, what what about it, like... As a, super, a Dragon Quest super fan who has played, like, all of them and just told me all of this stuff that I was not super familiar with uh, from Dragon Quest 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, like, what about 7 stands out to you? Um, it was just, uh, had some really fun characters, uh, had a, a, an interesting story, like, you want to find out, okay, what happened to the world, why is it, you know, all broken up, um, great graphics, uh, great uh, music. The job system was very low stress. I think I mentioned that in the past. Uh, if you wanted to change your class on the fly that came with basically no penalties, anything like that, you were just like, okay, go ahead. You were a, you were a, a magician, but now you can be a monk, and uh, we're not going to penalize you for it. it. It was just, everything just kind of clicked. I really enjoyed it. And the, even though it was lengthy, that, that worked, because what, like what I mentioned earlier about RPGs being kind of like a, a book, a storybook you get back into, is very much that kind of RPG. Indeed. All right, so that was your number five, Nadia. Your number four, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yay! Yay! Or as uh, Jim Sterling ta- uh, calls, and I totally ripped this off from him, the beautiful boy adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. It is, and that's why I like it so much, because it's the kind of game where you look at it, and it's like, oh, wow, this is kind of a mess, but I love these characters so much, I can't tear myself away from them. 
It's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess. And I mean, I love Ignis. I love Gladiolus. I love, I even kind of like Noctis, even though he's, he's more of a cipher than the other ones, but uh, they should, they should just make a, 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 the next Final Fantasy game about Ignis and his cooking. He goes to open a restaurant. Rant time. Okay. This game did not take 10 years to make. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know that something that was vaguely related to Final Fantasy 15 was announced in 2006. Jeez. And the characters kind of look like what they do now. Mm-hmm. But the game from 2006 that was introduced at that faithful, I think, E3 has no bearing whatsoever on this game that is finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tabata came in in like 2014. Wow. 2014. Wow. And picked up a, me- a game that was a hot mess like mm-hmm. there was nothing nothing uh, he essentially well i mean there were a lot of assets yeah <laughs> and he completely redid it he like almost from the ground up wow with his team like i mean they kept certain elements of it i, I think they kept the the bone like they they kept kind of the the basic concepts some of the basic concepts of final fantasy 15 but otherwise they redid a huge amount of it so really, this game has been more in the works for a couple of years. And then there was a lot of scattered stuff from over the past decade that kind of made their way in. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, like, this is maybe a little bit of speculation, but I don't think we can really understand, like, what a mess, what a place this project was in. It's a friggin' miracle that it came out. Yeah. So stop acting like Tabata worked on this game for 10 years. He didn't. He came in and saved he it. He saved it. Didn't he also save, uh, was he the one who saved Final Fantasy, um... 14 as well? No, that was somebody else. Well, well, Square Enix has some really good rescuers on their, on their staff. Well, it's the new blood. Yeah. I mean, Tabata, I mean, Tabata's been around for a while, mm-hmm. but he hasn't, like, you know, been a principal on the Final Fantasy series until relatively recently. Like, mm-hmm. he hasn't been handed the reins of, like, a big, like, sequel, and he showed that he can make it work. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of lesser... Uh, producers, directors, or whatever, project leads would have just kind of thrown their hands up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he got it out, and he got it out actually fairly quickly after, relatively speaking, after taking over the project. It did, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of forgiving of Final Fantasy XV's errors. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I find very interesting, and I kind of applaud Square for it, is even though the whole, hey, we're adding story to this game and is very controversial, I'm I'm kind of like glad they're doing it and I, I respect them for it because they know that people are going to say, well, I'm not buying this game until it's finished, quote unquote. And Square Enix came right out and said, hey, we're bringing out a whole bunch of new content for this game. So they know people are going to wait past Christmas, past as long as it takes to get this game now. So it just mm-hmm. shows that they care about Final Fantasy 15 as, as a product. And uh, I think that's pretty rare for a big company to do. Oh, I disagree, actually. Do you I really? think that... Yeah, I think a lot of companies care very much about um, how the product ultimately comes out, especially now, because games more than ever are expected to have a tale of like a couple years Mm -hmm. or more. And it's really important that people continue to talk about your game. Right. Because games are franchises and they are brands and they are things that you need people to continue talking about. Because if they're not making videos about them and streaming them, talking about them on Reddit or on social media and updating their Facebook page, they're dead. Yes, that's true. They might as well not exist. And Final Fantasy, it's not Square Enix's lifeblood, but it is it is their most recognized project. It's their most recognized brand worldwide. Mm-hmm. 
like worldwide, like not just in Japan, not just like that hardcore niche in America, like mm-hmm. Dragon Quest, like worldwide Final Fantasy has tons of fans. Like if a Final Fantasy 16 were announced tomorrow, it'd be a big freaking deal. It would. And every time they allow Final Fantasy to be bad, that's another hit to a former beloved property. No kidding. Remember, <laughs> Final Fantasy used to be the platinum standard mm-hmm. of video games. Mm-hmm. Like, if a Final Fantasy came out, you were guaranteed that it was going to be really good. It was going to be the cutting edge of graphics. Like, the whole nine yards, it was the AAA game. Yeah. Like, when Sony was going to compete with the Dreamcast on 9999, they released Final Fantasy VIII. Mm-hmm. Or they got Square Enix to put it out on uh, the same day as the Dreamcast to basically be like, boom. <laughs> I forgot right? about that. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, Final Fantasy VIII was mind-blowingly good. Mm-hmm. Like, gorgeous. Like, just, there was nothing better that you were going to find on that generation of consoles. Yeah, it still looks pretty good, like, by, by PlayStation standards. Absolutely. Yes, it does. But Final Fantasy XII, I mean, sorry, starting with Final Fantasy thirteen, like, the, the print brand, like, took hit after hit after hit. Mm-hmm. And I think that Square Enix has properly recognized that the... If you you can only take so many hits mm-hmm. before everybody goes, well, this this series sucks now. Yeah, and there are still plenty of people who are like that. But in salvaging Final Fantasy fourteen and in salvaging Final Fantasy fifteen, they flipped the narrative a little bit. Yeah, they did, which is which is great. I'm glad for them because I, so I they had to. They had to. Well, yeah, that, they had to save it by all means. But um, what I mean is, like, to say it before Christmas, I think is is kind of is pretty cool. Mm, absolutely instead of waiting for people to buy the game through the holiday Mm -hmm. rush and to say oh we're gonna fix it ha 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 yes so not only that but i think a lot of i think the people actually make these games actually do care a lot oh of course yeah yeah it's not i mean they're put into a position where they're kind of stuck on an assembly line but Mm -hmm. the stuff that they're creating you know you work on this game you give like a year or two of your life to this game and you're like yeah i mean you're attached to it right i mean it's the thing that you helped create Mm -hmm. that's true but well, as I predicted, Final Fantasy fifteen is a little controversial. Just a bit. It's uh, just a bit. Um, <laughs> there are people who love it, and there are people who hate it. And of course, there's that infamous Chapter thirteen. And I think it's a game that warrants debate, but yeah. it's not a game that's easy, easily dismissible like Final Fantasy thirteen was. No, it's definitely not dismissible. And uh, you also have to consider its history. And like you said, it was basically assembled in a couple of years. And well, what's going to happen with the next Final Fantasy? That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, you know, some games, I mean, sometimes, I don't know if you always have to consider its history, actually. Uh, I, I just wanted to make a point that it hasn't actually been in development for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, like, you're, you're right about that. But just the fact if that If a was... game comes out and it's a hot mess, uh, I don't necessarily think it deserves a free pass just because it had a troubled development. Well, no, no. But like when you put the bad against the good, you can yeah. be kind of impressed with, with what's there, like. Final Fantasy fourteen has gone from a joke to basically one of, if not the best, uh, MMORPG out there right now. I would argue it's the best. Yeah. It, it's definitely, the, if I have the time to get into an MMORPG, that is the one that I'm picking up. Maybe we should do that this year. Yeah, you know what? We should. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I bet, I bet we could get Square Enix to give us, um, because we're so privileged, <laughs> game journalist elites, I bet we could get, or we could or we could uh, get subscriptions and just expense them uh, to our bosses. Yeah. And be like, uh, important game stuff to talk about here. Please cover our expenses for Final Fantasy uh, 14. Uh, that might be a fun thing to do, actually. Start a guild or something. Yeah, that'd be the fun. The Blood God Guild. <laughs> 
I'm I'm gonna get like ten. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get literally tens of emails or <laughs> maybe even or dozens. whatever from people being like, "Come to my server." Ah, <laughs> no, that no, sounds that's like over. Fun. That's overstating our importance. Um, ah. but Final Fantasy 15. I think at the end of the day, I just I like the characters. I thought the story was ultimately successful. I actually disagree with the people who say it's a hot mess. I think that it the core of the story works. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on around it that's kind of tertiary, but it's a game. Yeah. I mean, that happens. And I think the battle system, like, I've come around in the battle system. I, I like I the see what they're system. trying to. I, I see what they're trying to do with it now, yeah. especially in terms of the post-game content. And I think that the core of the game, like the exploration, which is the core, Mm -hmm. like when it comes down to it, the back half of the game is actually a pretty small part of it. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to go do that to finish the story. And then you're going to go back to exploring and fishing and uh, doing fetch quests and uh, finding a giant adamant toys. Did you ever beat him? Oh, hell no. (laughs) I don't have time (laughs) for that. He looks incredible. What are you talking about, Nadia? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like no, the, the actual core, the structure of the game works. I like Final Fantasy 15. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, it's not uh, on my top five like list, but that's only because it's on your five list, and I don't want to talk about it again. Yeah, but uh, you put it this way: it's it's a game where I fought and hunted a behemoth to get some meat for a, a cup noodles, and that was a quest. <laughs> so great! And it was so ridiculous. Oh, the that branding and the branding in that game. Oh my god! It's just have you like you you don't have the English voices turned on, right? Nope. Okay, the way that Gladiolus like delivers his whole pitch for cup noodles is so obviously like commercial staged. Yeah. Yes, like he was doing an ad read. Yeah, basically, it's one hundred percent. Everyone's just taking the piss out of themselves. Well, you know what? I like that stuff is funny. Yeah, like the branding is funny. The fact that everything is like Coleman lamps and stuff in this world mm-hmm. of high fantasy. But I'm a little forgiving of it because games are expensive to make. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I want. These games continue to be made. Yeah. And if it requires tons of branding, if it requires like an ad read for uh, cup noodles, then so be it. Because uh, there be dragons and there be dragons being microtransactions. Yes. Uh, like at some point they have to make money. Games are getting more expensive than ever. And if it, if putting in-game advertisements is what it takes to avoid uh, getting a game com- fundamentally compromised by microtransactions, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I can deal with that. And uh, to be fair, I did kind of crave cup noodles, even though, as I found out when I went shopping, it's like, we don't really have too many cup noodles around here. Um, I have the recipe. For cup noodles? I, yeah, but it didn't give me enough of a buff. Bad advertisement. It's too cheap. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I got like tons of ingredients for like much more nourishing stuff. I'm not going to make garbage cup noodles. Yeah, Bad advertising there, Final Fantasy fifteen. You got a point there. Yeah. Like, well, then again, we expect it's loaded with like palm oil. <laughs> All right, we got to keep moving. No more uh, Dragon Quest. So number three, Dragon Quest Builders. Yay! I Yay. I enjoyed that game so much. I'm surprised that you put it behind Stardew Valley. Which spoiler alert, your next one's Stardew Valley. But I'm surprised you put it behind that. Um, it's close, but uh, well, they're both fantastic. What can I say? You call it your game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I might have mixed things up then. Because I, I, I wasn't really... I'm not even thinking in terms of, like... Uh, but we're talking about kind of, like, ah, who cares? Exactly. It's all arbitrary. Pretty much. The point is, it's on your list. It's on my list. And, yes. um, d- yeah, I just... Uh, if you're, like, a, a lifelong Dragon Quest fan like I am, just getting to, like, re-explore these worlds and rebuild them is, like, so 
like intense, especially when you get to like the epicenter of the devastation and mm. it's just everything's like all ashes and, and nothing and it's like, wow. And then you get to the Dragon Lord and you realize, oh wait, maybe I'm the bad guy and et cetera, et cetera. What? <laughs> sort of, yeah. What? The game isn't well, very you... Sorry? Well, as a Dragon Quest fangirl, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this is like just a wonderful what if scenario. For it you. really is. Yeah, pretty much because the uh, the first game, of course, it was well, you can join the Dragon Lord or you, you can kick his ass. And in Dragon Quest Builders, not to, to not to spoil too much, but like, yeah, you do meet the the hero who made the the quote unquote choice. So it's just uh, it's all really interesting. I have met the Dragon Lord, and the Dragon Lord is me. <laughs> not even. But seeing the devastation like that is wrought by that single awful choice mm-hmm. is actually really neat. It is, especially like when you consider, well, humans are, are almost dead, but the monsters are thriving and, you know, they seem happy enough for the most <laughs> Yay! part. Monsters are happy. Well, they're so cute. They are. They, they are. are. Uh, they will even join your party and have names like Gudra sometimes. <laughs> no, wait, that's a Pokemon. That is a that's Pokemon. A- uh, there is actually a Pokemon named Gudra. There is. Uh, what is, what is the slime's name in Dragon Quest Five? Oh, it's like is that Gutrude? Gutrude. Yeah. Better. Oh my God, Gutrude. Gutrude. So good. <laughs> so so good. You know what's funny? It actually kind of reminds me of Rogue One. Oh really? Yeah, because Rogue One is a prequel, of course, uh, to A New Hope, and Rogue One uh, kind of elaborates on certain things and it actually totally changes your perspective Mm -hmm. on one of the key points of a new hope uh in much the same way that dragon quest builders does for the original dragon quest oh that's interesting i haven't gotten to see rogue one yet but uh i I still have to i still plan to my opinion on it has soured a little bit since i've seen it on uh rogue one yeah i was mostly pretty positive on it but Mm. uh in hindsight it's I don't know. I, I have some problems with it. <laughs> you and Mike talked about that, right? On uh... Yeah. Also, I feel like it opens up a gaping continuity error with mm-hmm. A New Hope, which I cannot get into because that would be spoiler territory. But yeah, no I kind of uh, I alluded to it on my Twitter account. But let's not talk about spoilers of Rogue One. Uh, people who are like, there. I, I'm sure that there are at least a dozen people listening to this episode who, went, who just breathed a sigh of relief and took yeah. their finger away from the pause button. <laughs> I was going to say, they were probably screaming and like running, reaching for the pause no, button. No, no, no! <laughs> like, they're just fast-forwarding like every 15 seconds, praying that they're not going to get spoiled. But, okay, Dragon Quest Builders. Uh, I mean, anything else that you want to say about it? Soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, yes. It really sticks in your head, though. But it's worth it. Yeah, I was listening to some of it because we were doing the best music, and that was the game that you nominated. Mm-hmm. You nominated Dragon Quest Builders for quite a lot of stuff, actually. I did. Um, and I was like, well, it sounds a lot like Dragon Quest. <laughs> but, <laughs> what do you know? But very nice. Like, Dragon Quest has wonderful music. It does, and uh, the context they use it in in certain part is really interesting. Like, um, when you get to Aleph Garden, it's just like, you know, everything's dead, nothing's growing. The music they play is basically the remix of the original overworld theme that in turn was played in dragon quest 3 when you first enter Alephgard and it's all dark and the dragon lords you know taking everything over so it was a really nice callback indeed all right nadia your number two game which i already spoiled because i'm bad at the podcasting is stardew valley yay i really enjoyed that um i was a big harvest moon fan but i hadn't really played anything that really clicked with me since like god friends of mineral town like 10 years ago 
So I just really enjoyed getting back into farming. Uh, I was probably the only person on Earth who loved the fishing in Stardew Valley, too. Like, I was... I got... was fine. As long as your um, stats were high enough, I think, that you were fine in terms of the actual fishing. Yeah. Um, maybe it was different because I used, like, a controller with Rumble, and that was a big help. Oh, I can see how, yeah. Yeah. Well, as opposed to, like, just the on-screen queue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I fished, I got married to Sebastian, and I got blocked by the cat so I couldn't get into bed, and I collapsed, <laughs> and that was great. Is this game on, on Vita yet? Ah, uh, that is a good question. I know it just came out for Xbox One and PS4, is it? Maybe Wii U? I would consider playing this on the Vita. I would, too. That would be great. Oh, man. Especially since, would... um... I haven't gotten a chance to really get into the DLC yet, and I wanted to marry Shane, but I don't want to divorce uh, Sebastian. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. But Sebastian's so cute. He is. I know. He's the one with the long like the long hair, right? Yeah, he's the goth emo boy. I am I am a sucker for goth emo boys with long hair. Apparently I am too. <laughs> <laughs> so as I've said about Stardew Valley, like I was actually going on this rant the other day. Like We were talking about Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the person that we were talking to had never heard of Animal Crossing because she's not a huge gamer. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of explaining. I was like, you pay down your mortgage. <laughs> That's the game. Uh, and you make friends with all the villagers and you collect stuff. Like, I mean, it's literally gathering. Mm-hmm. And people find – there are a lot of people who seem to find gathering in itself to be a very rewarding game mechanic. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, the loop, like the mini loop, is actually very satisfying. You see, like, tons of stuff. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God, look at all that money. Money, money, money. <laughs> money, money, money. And you <laughs> gather it all up. And it's the same with Stardew Valley, right? Yeah. With your, your crops. You're like, money, 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 money. Uh, but I find that monotonous. Like, doing it over and over and over again is super monotonous, which is why I can never get into Animal Crossing. And at the end of the day, like, I realized, I was like, oh, I could play Stardew Valley forever. And I could put, like, 100 hours into this game. Mm-hmm. And it's gathering. Yep. And it's grinding. And I, I guess, I mean, there are different types of grinding. That's kind of the point, and, too. Like, uh, yeah. for example, I don't harvest crops. I, I have, like, a few for, like, ingredients to, to cook things with. But, um... I'm mostly a livestock person, which is still gathering, but I like... It's still gathering. It's I still like gathering. cows and horses, so... And I can name them. But there's, like, the satisfaction of expanding your house. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, getting to know the townsfolk, going to the... It feels like a lived-in community, so it has a lot of the same appeal of of, of Harvest Moon. And, of yeah. course, there are stats as well, because you, like, go dungeon crawling, mm-hmm. which is what makes it an RPG at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... It wasn't able to grab me as much... Um, maybe because I just refused to go the the full way yeah. and really be like, just embrace the grind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> embrace the I, grind, cat. I am in the process of playing through like this 100-hour freaking Gundam game and trying to get <laughs> all of the units. And that game is a grind too, and it would probably bore a lot of people to tears. So it's whatever grind you want to play. Exactly. Right? Whatever grind makes you happy. And I can totally imagine a lot of people being made happy by Stardew Valley. Everybody's got their grind. But, you know, if it's on Vita, I, will, I may actually get it. Because yeah. that's the kind of game I would want to play. No, that's a good point. I, I want to check into that now. All right. So that is your four games. Dragon Quest Seven, Final Fantasy XV, DQ Builders, and Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about my top four. All Oops. right. Are you ready? I am. Number five. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes I go on the sports game podcast. Mm-hmm. It's called the Press Row Podcast, and we just did our sports game of the year podcast. And I, 
<laughs> I was choosing. Uh, so what they have us do is they pick, have us each choose our top three sports games. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's like three, uh, a three ranking gets a game one point, a two ranking gets at two points and a, th- a one ranking gets at three points. Mm-hmm. And that's how you choose the game of the year. Well, initially I had, what was it? Madden, NBA, and then MLB The Show. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we were talking idly about Pocket Card Jockey. And, like, I just, well, it was like horse racing. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, Pocket Card Jockey came out this year. It did. I'm changing my votes. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and I, I changed it. So I put Pocket Card Jockey at number three Good behind NBA and Madden. And I sent it in. And they were like, and there was this long pause from the host, and he goes, are you serious about this, cat?" I'm like, yes. 100%. Are you kidding me? Because as I was telling my girlfriend the other day, like, pocket card jockey, yes, you're a jockey who uses godlike powers over solitaire <laughs> to win horse races. Yes. But I think a lot of developers, like, th- this game could have just been, like, playing solitaire with horse racing as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Like, the horse racing didn't have to be a big part of this thing. But it was. It's really faithful to the sport. It's shocking. Yeah, like, it's surprisingly complicated in in that regard. Yeah, like, because you start out with, like, uh, a Mm -hmm. two-year-old horse. Mm -hmm. uh, And you do some of, like, the young horse races. And then you get into year three, and that's, like, the prime of the horse's life. And you're going through, and if you, like, are winning race after race after race, you can unlock, like, the big races, like the Kentucky Derby equivalents. The classics. And then if... And then when you get into year four, um, they're mature, and you can either put them out to pasture and uh, put them out to stud and let them have all of the sex that they want and <laughs> make more horse babies, or you can continue to race them. And then you start all over again. Mm-hmm. And your goal, ultimately, is to win all of the cups. And mm-hmm. that's like a really, you know, kind of addictive th- <laughs> an addictive thing, because you're like, I want to win all of the trophies. Yeah, exactly. I want to fill my trophy case. That's great. And the way you do that is you get better and better horses until you ultimately are able to do that. And it's just in the way that like the timeline of how the horses run, mm-hmm. um, the fact that you have your stalkers and your and and stuff like that, like you have like in real life, there are types of horses. There's a horse that's always in the lead. There's always the horse that's in the back, but mm-hmm. then puts on a late charge to try and catch up. And they reflect that in the game? They do. They really do. And you have to consider that when you're breeding the horses. And it's yep. crazy. And I guess Japan is very serious about their horse racing. Well, it's obvious that the people who are uh, who made this game were really into horse racing because it's like throwing terminology out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was actually learning a lot about horse racing. Yeah, I did too. Just by playing this game. But at the same time, it's really funny. It is. It's a funny game. It is game. such a hilarious game. And has good music. And, like, the loop is perfect Mm -hmm. like you you finish a race in like (laughs) i don't know like five minutes yeah not even and and it's such an intense thing because you can't restart nope right you can't quit and reload like when the race is done it's done and if you just and if you quit you automatically lose yes and if you lose a race that can be an entire cycle down the drain. It really can. Like you, when you you have basically one chance with one horse, and if you screw up one horse's career, well, got to get another one. And not to mention you. Well, also no, have... that's not true. You can still have a very successful uh, run with that horse, so to speak. But so uh, to... <laughs> you're gonna have some piss. You're gonna have a pissed off uh, manager on your hands too if you uh, if it's you true. keep screwing up. I mean, if you lose one race, 
you can still have a great horse oh, that yeah, is still good to put out. But uh, the more horse races that the horse wins, the better it is for breeding. Yes, absolutely. Like the the more powerful a horse that you're going to get when uh, when you decide to breed, like with special abilities and such. So. So when you're like in a really close race and you're like going, come on, come on. And like they get over the the finish line by mm-hmm. a nose. By, oh, literally by a nose. Yes. The most intense thing. It's by the same people who did Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, the stats are very apparent in this one. It's uh, the, the breeding mechanics are like are evident from kind of like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And it's I, I, I'm not joking when I call it one of my best sports games of the year. It is a great sports game. It's great. I, I really enjoyed it. And um, the best thing was having your horse go completely out of control and because yes. you, you screw up your, your solitaire game. And it crosses the finish line first anyway. <laughs> it rarely I never happened. had that happen, actually. I never had it happen where the horse like went out of control and then ended up winning. It, it's very rare. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would always because uh, it runs out of gas. Yes, like you have to save energy toward the end. Yes. <sighs> yeah, pocket card jockey. If you didn't buy it it's, uh, on the e- 3ds eShop, I highly recommend. Definitely it. It's one worth of my favorite yeah. surprises it, of the year. Yeah, me too. It was like what six ninety nine or something like that. It was it was like a great price. Grab it. Uh, number four, Darkest Dungeon. I I wish it were better on console. And actually, the reason that I'm highlighting it here because mostly I just want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I would actually put Final Fantasy XV in this place. Mm-hmm. So uh, consider that my real number four is actually Final Fantasy XV. But I want to highlight Darkest Dungeon mm-hmm. in any case. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is a great game. It's so atmospheric. It's so interesting. And when you're going through the initial run of dungeons and leveling up your initial characters, it is really addictive and really intense um, and really unforgiving, but mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, and... It is a game that demands mastery. It is a game that demands that you really get to know the mechanics. Uh, it is not forgiving, and I'm okay with that. Yes, yeah, see, I, I'm less... Uh, I, I get intimidated easily, so I'd be like... Eh. I start crying. Oh, don't cry. I mean, <laughs> I lost I mean sure, problems. you'll run into like uh, cosmic Cthulhu-like monsters that come from the deepest, darkest parts of the universe um, and will devour your party. Uh, you're like top levels your top level party with all of the gear that you will lose <laughs> and then you will stare into the dark void of your soul and realize that you can't go on with yeah. anything that you're a totally broken human and then you'll just crawl back into bed under your sheets and suck your thumb and cradle yourself but other than that dark's dungeon's great yeah that sounds fantastic can i go beat up some bunnies uh there are no bunnies to beat up ah oh, cuz that's no like- wait is there a bunny Oh, no, there's totally a Monty Python reference in this one. Is there really? I think there is. Nice. Maybe I'm crazy, but I swear to God there's a murder rabbit in this game. (laughs) Is it like in, uh, I think, uh, Secret of Mana 2, Suikin Densetsu 3, there was the black rabbit, and it could just destroy your party? (laughs) I swear to God that there's totally a Monty Python reference in Darkest Dungeon. Like, that might be one of the bosses. But most of the time, they're like eldritch horrors and stuff. Fantastic. Like a, a witch that will like throw you into the pot and cook like a party member unless you like uh, free them. Ouch. Really pain. It's a real pain. It reminds me of Automos from uh, Final Fantasy V mm-hmm. where it's like dragging you. And if it if that party member gets dragged into Automos, uh, it's gone. <laughs> oh, geez. I remember um, that. Yeah. Or in Final Fantasy VIII when you're fighting Ultimecia and like if you let a party member faint, she will send them into time and mm-hmm. you lose them for the rest of the fight. Super annoying. Yeah, just a bit. 
especially if you have all of them junk all this stuff junction to them and you're just like uh crap but <laughs> there are a lot of classes the classes are all very interesting and play very differently I love the party composition aspect. I love the order aspect being super important mm-hmm. because every like every character has a good place to be in the party. So a lot of it will be like trying to drag people in the back rank to the front rank mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, there are tons of uh, there are tons of status effects. Um, you can't. There's no such thing as a one size fits all party. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have different parties for different dungeons because certain characters just work really well. Like for example, if you go into the the deep sea dungeon where you're fighting like horrifying merfolk and stuff, <laughs> um, you definitely want a plague doctor to like poison and stuff because they're especially susceptible to that. But they have very tough hides, so you can't just beat them up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Whereas uh, if you go into like the catacombs, you're going to want like uh, the crusader because you want to do all that holy damage to all those skeletons Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, The only thing that kind of is a drag for me is one, losing a party is like just a killer in that one. Yeah, it sounds like it. I I just don't have the patience or the time to grind up a new party. Mm -hmm. I don't, unfortunately. And the other thing is that... um, it's so once you finish the initial round of dungeons, you go up to the next round of dungeons, and it takes a long time to build up a party capable of tackling those dungeons. Right, like you have to lock in positive traits um, because the characters all have traits, and the traits will change over time. And so, what you need to find is the best traits, and then you need to spend a whole bunch of money to lock them in. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a heavy grind to it. Yeah, and you need to effectively choose the characters that you're going to do and build the right parties. It's a very intensive process. And the reward is being able to do the same dungeons you already did all over again. <laughs> Yay! And then you do it again at a, at a harder level. And then you beat the game. Mm-hmm. Then you get to tackle the darkest dungeon. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> no time for the darkest dungeon, damn it. The foundation is so good. Yeah. I love so much of everything about this foundation. The art, the the mechanics. Um, it has a real D&D aspect to it. Mm-hmm. it. feels like dangers around every corner. It's a brilliant game in so many respects. But I, I just can't get on board with having to do the same dungeons over and over again. That's why I couldn't finish Odin's Sphere Electrozer because yeah, I got bored. Yeah, but I love that one. But that also had right. like more of a, a... I love the graphics, which are so colorful. And also there was like a story that kept me invested. So Yes. So in any case, Final Fantasy XV is my number four. But let us put Darkest Dungeon there. So for the sake of me being able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Number three, Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, I know that Dark Souls 3 is a tiny bit controversial in the Dark Souls community, but so is every Dark Souls. <laughs> I know a lot of people who preferred Bloodborne to Dark Souls 3, which is fine. But as somebody who played the original Dark Souls, finished it, uh, couldn't get into Dark Souls 2, didn't get around to playing Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3 was a very refreshing return to the series. It was gorgeous, especially playing on my PC. Um, it was just as hard as ever, but like it has these amazing epic set pieces, and when I, I was railing at set pieces earlier, the set pieces in Dark Souls 3 are awesome because there is tension. Mm-hmm. You're, like, terrified of dying. These bosses are amazing. The bo- bo- the battles, like, feel like their own story every time. <clears throat> um, there's so many interesting things to find in this universe. Um, a friend of mine has finished it, like, three times, and he's gotten all the endings, and he was like, eh, I was a little disappointed with the endings. <laughs> Not Bob, is it? No, it wasn't Bob. It was somebody who... He's not affiliated with the games industry, but oh. is a really good friend of mine um, and enjoys Dark Souls That's quite nice. a bit. And 
he was like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't on board with Dark Souls 3's endings, but he still really liked the game. Mm-hmm. I personally like was really hooked on Dark Souls 3 for quite a while. Um, I, I, I like going back to it. I, I enjoy going back to it for the DLC. Uh, all in all, like really strong entry, and I feel like people almost take uh, the quality of Dark Souls for for granted mm-hmm. now. I uh, it's definitely on my uh, play this like the top of my playlist play this list. You haven't played Dark Souls, have you? No, I- I'm always slightly intimidated to try, but I know I want to. So play bu- play Bloodborne first. Bloodborne blah, 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 play blah, Bloodborne blah. first. Okay. Um. Yeah, PS4 I was exclusive. Um. More action oriented, and I, I, I actually prefer the kind of dark Victorian uh like look mm-hmm. to the more um dark fantasy look yeah. of dark souls and then not only that but like bloodborne takes away the kind of like shield aspect of like hiding behind your big shield and then like coming in with a swooping parry <laughs> like it borrows plenty from bloodborne mm-hmm. in in a good way but uh I, I think that bloodborne is a more immediately like accessible game that's like more exciting yeah i definitely have both like on the list and uh bloodborne 2 that's gonna come one one day or another uh, I was predicting that it was going to get announced at PSX, but that's not what happened. Yeah, so, apparently. Looks like we are going to have a Bloodborne. We're going to have a Soulsborne free uh, 2017, which is a little weird. <laughs> but we might get an announcement. That's something. Probably at E3. Yeah, most likely. I seem to recall uh, Bloodborne being almost. It wasn't a rumor, but it was like definitely everybody knew that it was coming, mm-hmm. and they were showing it behind closed doors um, before E3. Yeah. 2014 and i know bobman saw it yeah he did and then it came out the following spring so spring 8 2018 yeah that sounds about right i'm fine with them taking a break it just builds anticipation yeah there you go and more dlc is on the way exactly all right number two uh controversial choice maybe not controversial it inspired a lot of controversy this year fire emblem fates Mm -hmm. um really just I, as a fire, as a longtime Fire Emblem fan, and when I say long time, I mean I picked up the series uh, when it came out to America on the GBA. Oh, nice! Um, with I think it was Fire Emblem Seven. Yeah, yeah. But Rekka no Ken, maybe. Rekka no Ken, um, yeah. But in America, it was just Fire Emblem, and then I played um, the one that came out for it afterward, uh, and then I I didn't really get into the GBA or the Wii versions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I didn't like the DS version because I was so put off by the kind of 2.5D claymation models. Yeah, but me too. Fire Emblem Awakening like really kind of came back to me. Like it, it was too easy in a lot of respects, but it was also beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I was down with it. Yeah, and like, the characters right, were great. Fine. Yeah, the characters were great. Did you play Awakening? I did. What did you think of Awakening? Oh, I, I really loved Awakening. Um, I got married to Gaius. Everything was cool. <laughs> Why didn't you play Fates? Uh, I just never got around to it, and I, I'm disappointed in myself, but uh, I also partially blame my husband because I was going to, like, buy it, and he was like, no, we should get the cartridge version, and I was all ready to download the game, right? And it's like, mm. okay, fine, we'll go out and get it, and I never went out and got it, and stuff happened, and I'm really disappointed in myself because I loved Awakening so much, and I'm I'm a longtime Fire Emblem fan, too, even though, like you, I lapsed for a while in the Wii era. Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of people did. Yeah. That's why they almost killed the series. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's right. They almost did. But Awakening saved it. Awakening saved it. Uh, 
a lot of hardcore Fire Emblem fans uh, strongly disliked Awakening because um, they felt that the grinding aspect kind of ruined it. Uh, I think that it saved it. I thought it was great because it was a, a window into the series. It really, yeah. People are always harping on, oh, I can't deal with the, the permadeath, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Well, I made that part like, okay, if you want to continue with the permadeath, fine. <clears throat> Whatever. But Nadia... Fates is a lot better than Awakening. Yeah, and I keep hearing how great it is, so I um, I really should grab it, and I will. Way better than Awakening. Like, so Birthright is basically Awakening, but, you know, with, um, they're called the Hoshido, but they're, like, Japanese, mm-hmm. um, and they have, like, new classes and everything, it's pretty cool, and they're, like, the good part, they're the, they're the good guys. The good guys. Um, and you are the, truly their daughter, but apparently you are stolen away, mm-hmm. and then on the other side, you have the... Nor, Nor, yeah, they're called the, yeah, it's called Nor, and that's the conquest side. So the ideal route is to play Birthright first and then go over to Conquest mm-hmm. <laughs> to see what you kind of missed. Yeah, I actually played Conquest first mm-hmm. because Conquest is classic Fire Emblem. Yes, um, and you, it's like so the maps were really intense and really interesting. And one thing that I realized with with Fire Emblem is that the maps are almost like a puzzle and it's really interesting kind of puzzling them out, figuring them out, kind of figuring out the optimal route that will keep your characters from dying. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Valkyria Chronicles where it's like march your character up two spaces or they will die. Yes. I mean, you have to be careful. There is some trial and error going on, but I feel like it's a lot more smartly designed and there are some phenomenal maps in Conquest. Like Conquest just in general is a lot more fun and also, Birthright is more straightforward. Like, it's like, you're fighting an evil empire. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Conquest, it's, you're trying to beat the evil empire from within. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's, like, going, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you joining with these jerks? <laughs> because they are jerks. Like, there's the evil chancellor. Um, and the in Birthright, like, he's just the evil chancellor. <laughs> in Conquest, on the other hand, he's, like, ostensibly your ally, but he's also still trying he's to kill you. He's still trying to discredit you. So that's just a lot more. It's a much more enjoyable dynamic. Right. I should say. I liked Conquest a lot. So, but you should still play Birthright and then Conquest. And they're like two separate games, different maps and everything. And it's really interesting to fight the characters from uh, Conquest and vice versa Mm -hmm. as like kind of mini bosses or even bosses. Right. And uh, Um, there's a third one too, right? Yes, Revelation. That's the real one. Right. That's the real ending. So do you like just uh, play, can you skip right to that one or you probably shouldn't? You can. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. Because okay. you would not have the same kind of emotional investment in that ending, mm-hmm. I don't think. Because the point is, the real the real answer is not to join with either, Yeah. essentially. And then at that point, like you can kind of unlock the true ending because you're going to have tragedy either way mm-hmm. if you're going to play Birthright. No matter, even if you choose the good side, you're going to have some tragedy going on. Yeah. Sadness will happen. So the the real answer is uh, to split, split down the middle and piss everybody <laughs> off. Yeah. So, no, Revelation is a great finale. And it's basically three games in one. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's, that's intense. Yeah, that's uh, pretty huge. All of the Fire Emblem. As much Fire <laughs> Emblem as you can want. And... It's just really well done in general. I love the 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 base building aspect mm-hmm. that gives you lots of buffs. I like that it so expertly like catered to both hardcore fans and um, 
casual ex- fans and making it accessible. I thought the stories were way better than Awakening, but very true, very faithful to the roots of the series. Uh, I, I thought that the mechanics were, in general, very good. Uh, I think that it is m- one of the best RPGs to come out on the 3DS, except for the one that we are about to uh, highlight as our joint RPG of the year. Dun, 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 dun. And that RPG of the year, Nadia, is Pokemon Sun and Moon. Pokemon Sun and Moon, indeed. Pokemon Sun and Moon, which I will wager is the best Pokemon <laughs> Uh, just from a story standpoint that I have played, maybe ever. Yeah, uh, definitely. I got really invested in the story and the characters, and it was just nice to have a, a Pokemon game that was more than just, be, you know, evil corporation wants to wake up this, you know, legendary Pokemon that will kill everything. The director, I, I talked to the director. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and he got it. Mm-hmm. Like, he got it with this game. He did, absolutely. He said, and I totally agreed with him. I'd actually been kind of saying it myself for a very long time. I said the Pokemon need to be more involved. Mm-hmm. The monsters need, you need to get a greater sense of people's relationship with the Pokemon because they had always just been kind of static. And in this one, like even in the original concept art, you see it where everybody's like chilling out with Pokemon and uh-huh. having fun or playing or whatever. And they're like socialist paradise or alternatively <laughs> dystopian corporatist paradise where the world is ruled by corporations like Silphco. Uh-huh. And evil teams like Team Rocket, but I digress. Um, everybody's having fun playing with their monsters. And you just get a much greater sense of the role of the monsters in the world. And because of the improved graphics and stuff, like it, it, it can be a lot more animated, a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. It has actual cutscenes now. Like there's a cute little bits with um, uh, your, your very nervous uh, companion um, with the sun hat. Who always has the little uh, the little creature oh, like yeah, popping Cosmo? out of the bag? Yeah, Lil- and being like, <laughs> <laughs> Lily, I think her name I- is Lilene. Yeah, and she actually she has a nice little arc um, herself. It was like, get back in the bag, <laughs> get, get back, back in, in the, the bag, bag Cosmog. Get back in the bag. But uh, I but actually- it's yeah. Oh, just uh, yeah. Her arc has to do with basically her uh, not to spoil too much, but she has to learn how to stand up for herself against uh, yep. her mother, who's kind of a tyrant. and um, Kind of a tyrant, yep. And you don't really realize it uh, at first because, you know, th- she says how, oh, you know, my mother dresses me. And when you kind of get that in the context later, it's like, oh, her mom's a real, <laughs> like a, a serious control freak. And uh, <laughs> I have a friend who, who played the game and, uh, you know, he just kind of really related to, to parts of that. Hmm. So yeah, it's really a a lot there about like dysfunctional families. And it's just that kind of took precedence over, you know, big evil monsters from outer space destroying everything. And I'm okay with that because it means they understand Pokemon as a series, like not only has young fans, of course, but it has older people who, who have to deal with things like dysfunctional families and controlling mothers and absent fathers. It was a little darker than I've been used to with Pokemon. It definitely I already, was. I talked about the Team Skull meth house. Yeah, <laughs> I went there too. I was appropriately, I visited that place when I was in the hospital and it was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of dark. It really and then, was. of course, the alternate Ultra Beast dimension, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually also kind of like <laughs> Lovecraftian Just in a, a lot of respects. Yeah, it was like, whoa, what's going on here? Whoa, holy crap with the Ultra Beasts. Um, the Ultra Beasts, at the end of the day, were just, you know, Pokemon from another dimension. Yeah. But 
still, I mean, it was a cool idea. It was an interesting idea, and they were freaky, like the jellyfish one. Ugh. Yeah, those things are kind of nasty looking, aren't they? But, like, pretty, yeah. too. Nasty, but Just pretty. Just a little bit. Uh, I liked the... <laughs> I liked a lot of the new mechanics. I loved that they got rid of HMs. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I, I liked a lot of the new monsters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what it really comes down to is I loved the region. Yeah, I love uh, that was I great. I love the setting. It made me care about the world in a way that I haven't in years. Mm-hmm. I've said that Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 and Emerald are my favorites at the end of the day. Yeah. But the difference between Sun and Moon in those games is, yeah, Sun and Moon can't compare to those games in terms of post-game content. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Stars is going to be the ultimate version of this game. Yes. But Sun and Moon has way better stories. It does. Than either of those games. It does. And um, I mean, I finished Pokemon Sun and Moon a long time ago, but I'm still thinking about it. I'm still talking about it. And, and that's a really yeah. good sign. They made the they made the campaign relevant. They did. Yay. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. It's... I like it, it was always a slog and it, it was more so than ever with Omega and Ruby and Alpha Sapphire such a slog mm-hmm. and with Sun and Moon I cared and at the end when I when I was the champion and then the fact that you could challenge other mm-hmm. like have people coming in and challenging you that was really cool yeah it was so uh and you know I want to get into it um competitively again but I don't really have time yeah no kidding I'm also a little frustrated by the fact that everybody battles with legends now. <laughs> like, legends seem to really dominate just everything You're in terms kids. of it because of the power creep. Yeah. It used to be it used to be you had the legendary birds and the Mewtwo and then you could just ban Mewtwo and you're fine. Yeah. Now like there's so many damn legendaries and legendaries are a pain in the ass to catch. Mm-hmm. And they're a pain in the ass to raise mm-hmm. because Pokémon I mean because they're they're one of a kind. Um and unless you, uh, unless you're using like the smogon method to like mess around with the clock and everything, mm-hmm. you're not going to get perfect stats on them. And I kind of refuse to do that because it feels like cheating. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so as a consequence, I feel a little frustrated from the competitive game because it's like, oh god, I, just, I don't want to catch x number of legendaries and train them up and everything well um, maybe I, it, maybe that's good then that the the campaign that they understand they're getting back into uh the idea that like okay well adults don't really have time for competitive battling hey let's give them a single player we're com- campaign worth uh, yes. pursuing not only that but like uh i well i'm looking for i may have made my peace with just being able to enjoy pokemon's world without having to worry about competitive battling oh good much. good i'm glad to hear that <laughs> Yeah, uh, I might be able to just enjoy Pokemon. Do you have any comments, Nadia? I feel like I've been talking over you a little too much. Uh, about Pokemon? Yeah. No, I, I pretty much said my piece. It's a really great game. It's uh, I really like the way they've engineered it for young and old. Um, did you ever do Did you do the Eevee quest? Uh, did I do the Eevee quest? Where you find the uh, Eeveeum Z or whatever they use to... Basically, it's the quest with um, you have to fight and find these old Eevee trainers... Uh, from this guy who, uh, God, it was, it was really, it was very, uh, very, it was a very, like, profound moment, so I'm kind of surprised you don't remember it if you, if you even encountered it, but, uh. I did not do the Eevee quest. Okay, because basically there's this. The one where you get the Eevee, tr- the one where you get the Eevee. You get, like, uh, the, the stuff that, uh, that unlocks, uh, Eevee's, uh, uh, Z move, but, um. 
Mm. You basically go up to this guy. He's like working in. He's an older guy working in a market, and he asks you to like. He tells you about how he's used to be a really you know powerful EV trainer, and he ran with this group of EV trainers who were like you know really hot shit, and everyone like was feared their names and everything. And he was wondering how his old his old friends were doing, so he asks you to go back and kind of check on them. And you do, and, you know, one by one, you meet these trainers. Of course, every trainer has a different kind evolution of Eevee. And they're all just kind of dealing with old age in different ways. Like, one woman has dementia, so she doesn't even know who you're talking about. Um, another woman just, just like, you know, I don't even want to talk to you. You know, that's not my life anymore. I just want to hang out with my grandson. And, like, another woman is actually young because she's been using, like, plastic surgery to try to keep herself young. And she realizes, well, I can't keep this up forever. And it's just really a really odd moment to have in a pokemon game but very profound <laughs> this is way too real it is it is it was it was very real and i said on twitter hey thanks pokemon for making me think of death oh my god okay well that was a dark note <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's just like it, it's something i'm actually writing about right now I've, I've been meaning to kind of finish the piece and put it up on tiny girl tiny games but mm. um it was just i was surprised at how um just you know kids can't appreciate that sort of thing very much um so obviously it was there for people like you know you and i <laughs> so that's great but um no I, i'm very pixar of them very very exactly that's exactly it, it was very pixar of them and uh, it was uh not to say they were all unhappy or anything like that they were just you know they were old and, and dealing with it in, in different ways i may do that when the pokemon bank comes out yeah but so yeah it's been kind of a Kind of the year of Pokemon. It has. I'm, I'm pretty I mean, cool between with that. Pokemon Go um, and then Pokemon Bank or Pokemon Sun and Moon really expertly picked up on the momentum mm-hmm. uh, generated by Pokemon Go. And Pokemon never really went away. No. Um, I don't think anybody ever was pretending that it went away. I mean, certainly plenty of people came back to the series after a long time of kind of being out on it because, you know, like so many people were like, I played the original 150 and <laughs> yay, I'm back into Pokemon Go. And what is this new sun and moon thing? Hooray. Yeah. But I feel like it's gone from like a big deal to like a really big deal, even in the mainstream consciousness. Absolutely. Like, not just in gaming, but like everywhere. Like yeah. every, it feels like everybody's been talking about Pokemon this year. And that's probably why you can't find a 3DS if you're looking and you can't find one. Probably. It is. But that is our RPG of the year of 2016, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yes, Woo! and I think it is a well-deserved title. I do, too. I do too as well. They really hit this one out of the park. I ended up loving it. So did I. All right, Nadia, we have listed our favorite RPGs of the year, but what about you? What about the listener, the person who is listening to this podcast? Well, we asked you what your favorite RPGs of 2016 were, and you gave us some answers. So here they are. Casey Moore wrote, Pokemon Sun and Moon! Yay! XY's foray into 3D was admirable, but I felt like the overall quality that generation suffered while attention was so heavily spent on visuals. That's fine. It was a necessary step. Mm -hmm. But I think Sun and Moon shows them hitting their stride. Full dimensional movement, the removal of HMs in lieu of writable Pokemon, imaginative new monsters, and fun interpretations of old ones all make for what I believe to be the best in the franchise to date. Also, defending the champion title against a variety of trainers is rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it really, I don't have any reason to go back to fighting the Elite Four, but I thought that was pretty rad, too. Yes, I agree. I just want to mention, by the way, I went back to Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire because I wanted to get all of the ribbons for my Eevee mm-hmm. before, or not my Eevee, my Flareon. 
uh, so that I could before I transferred it over because you can't transfer it back once you're done. Oh yeah. Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire like really suffers in comparison to Sun and Moon. Like it is not as fun. Yeah, it, it's a lot slower. It's a lot slower and it's not as attractive and it just it doesn't pop in the same way. Like no. Sun and Moon, it was obviously done by an artist because the UI in that game is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more artsy. It's just better in every way. In every single way. All right. Uh, friend Carrick writes, My favorite RPG of 2016 was definitely Dark Souls 3. My intro to the series was last year when I picked up Dark Souls 2 and got super hooked. There you go. The third installment feels like a steady ramp up in design quality and difficulty, though I must say I missed the view and soundtrack from DS2's far superior hub, Majula. I loved the weapon arts and how the game was rebalanced to remove life gems. Not sure how they made it work, but they did. <laughs> Looking forward to whatever comes next. I have a feeling a big shakeup for the series is imminent. I agree because Miyazaki's like left the series. Yeah. <laughs> One way or another. I hope that I, I kind of hope they put Dark Souls to bed. Maybe, maybe let sleeping dogs lie in this case. Let it go out on a high note, as it were. Yes. But that's not going to happen. It's a franchise. Yep. Wayne Michael Lee says, I would have to say surprisingly Final Fantasy XV would be RPG of the year. Mm -hmm. I was ready to count this one out because I figured after such a long and troubled development, there's no possible way it could live up to expectations. Well, it definitely has some imperfections. Oh, boy, does it. Just a few. I I find there's an earnestness to the game that keeps pulling me back in. I never would have thought my RPG of the year would be about a road trip with four bros, but here we are. Yeah, and uh, that's a very good word for the game, earnest. Earnest. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's Final Fantasy in a nutshell, right? Yeah. I mean, very earnest, but Especially it's okay. 15. Yeah. Especially Final Fantasy 15. Eric French, uh, who I know in real life, actually, cool. um, says, for best RPG, I'd have to say Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Ah, nice. The characters and settings are a little tropeful, but the combat hews well to SMT conventions. The game is the perfect length, 40 hours for good playthrough with most side quests. I also appreciate the bright setting and great battle themes, a departure from the darker tones we're seeing in more RPGs lately. Mm -hmm. Yes, we haven't mentioned Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and rest assured, we are aware of that. We'll talk about it in just a second, okay? Yeah. Promise. Uh, JJ says, favorite RPG of 2016? Dark Souls 3. Mm -hmm. Remains unfinished, but a Souls game is always the game of the year for me. There's just something about the Souls games. Being a Souls fan since Demon's Souls convincing many friends to try it making them fans too there's so many wonderful nods to the series for fans it's a perfect combination of the series a fantastic rpg and i love it nice final fantasy 15 is very close close second though it's not perfect as many reviews have documented but it's far and away the best final fantasy in years i love the characters i love the world and the combat is never boring mm-hmm. even if magic feels a tad wasted oh, yeah God, does it does it ever God, <laughs> yeah unfortunate but yeah no that's a good point uh adam patrick murray uh he had two he liked firewatch which okay yeah sure (laughs) i would consider that more of an adventure game but let us uh let us put aside pointless genre conventions and boundaries oh god here come the emails crap (laughs) sure yeah okay firewatch um and odin sphere letrosphere yeah and smooth ass fighting mechanics i agree with that one uh i really enjoyed it too excellent yeah, I know. You were a big fan of it. I mean, apparently it grabbed on you um, quite a bit, enough to the point that you just kept wanting to play it. Yeah, and uh, God, 40 or 50 hours later, I finished it. You know, I liked the characters, and I liked how the characters all played very differently. Mm-hmm. I think that ultimately would be enough to keep you playing. Yeah, and uh, 
you're, it did get repetitive at times, don't get me wrong, but uh, the graphics, the sound, the, the characters, and the food, they all work together. What is it about, about Japanese RPGs and food I don't form? know, man, but geez, Final Fantasy XV is just, like, blatant with it. Filthy, I, I filthy. loved it, though. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, as somebody who loves food, like, oh my god. Did you know that they actually went out into the field and cooked those dishes? I can believe that. <laughs> to see if that they could actually be made while camping? And so they're the all authentic. I found out about that was because somebody was like, this game took 10 years to make. I'm like, ah, that's what, like, prompted the rant earlier. <laughs> I, I thought that was a cool touch. That the is nice. It looked real, and it looked amazing. It did. I wanted to eat that, even though it was made, like, I got a, I had, like, toad steaks, and it's like, this is made out of toad, but it looks really good. A giant toad. Giant toad. No even one. though it was made out of, like, monsters, whatever, I wanted to eat it. Yep. Didn't they have, like, chocobo wings or something? Probably. I, I feel like... I feel like chocobos were one of the meals, but I could be. <laughs> if that's the case, then that kind of messed up. It's like eating a dog. Deep fried chocobo. KFC. Yeah, I don't want to eat the chocobos. All right. So those were some of your favorite RPGs of 2016. Feel free to keep sending them along. I might revisit them when we do our year in preview for 2017. Mm-hmm. But Nadia, before we finish... Last thing that we're going to do, let's talk really quickly about the RPGs we didn't really get to, but really wish we had. Yeah. And one of them was Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp FE. It was. And uh, it's really a shame because, uh, as was mentioned, it's a very colorful, very different RPG, and it just didn't sell very well, as I understand. So, Well, I mean, Wii U. Yeah. Everybody was categorizing it as, you know, like, everybody was throwing it into kind of the same mix as a lot of... um, the more bargain basement kind of RPGs. Yeah. Which is kind of unfair because it was definitely a, on a level that was above those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think I think we both want to get into it. I think it came out right... So I was on the road for most of July. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe a major reason why I didn't have a chance to really get into Sharp FE. Yeah, I think but I went on vacation. It's definitely in my backlog. I, I, I really want to play it. I, I liked what I started with it. Maybe here's one reason that I didn't play it a little further than i did Mm -hmm. and this is maybe a shallow reason the soundtrack interestingly enough what did not impress me that much oh really at the outset it was okay but it was pretty conventional Mm -hmm. and like it it has a lot it has a lot of has high standards to match up to it would yeah because uh I mean, Fire Emblem has usually has great music, and of course, uh, as a, um, the uh, Shin Megami series, yes, has fantastic. music. I'm not saying that it's bad. Yeah, it just was unremarkable to me. Yeah, and a good soundtrack makes a big difference in my mind. Final Fantasy 15 had an unbelievable soundtrack, mm-hmm. and if you didn't want to listen to it, you could listen to old school <laughs> music. I know it was so great. It was. You need to get that MP3 player. I got it. Your Chocobo. I, I edited it to the editor's note for your. <laughs> Uh, for the Chocobo sidekick thing when we did best sidekick. <laughs> nice. But yeah, we both missed out on Tokyo Mirage Sessions. But you shouldn't. You should go play it. Yeah. All right. You missed Fire Emblem Fates, Nadia. I did. I think that's your homework for the new year. That is like, my homework for the new the year. I, I feel like that should be that should be on a shirt. Throw it on the pile. <laughs> Throw it on the Throw pile. it on the pile, Nadia. <laughs> uh, World of Final Fantasy. That's one I, I really wanted to play and it just came out like when there was a deluge of games and I just didn't get around to it. Yeah, uh, it seemed all right. Yeah, most people um, know liked there it. There were many hats. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, didn't she like stack them on your head or something? Yes, many, many. She was stacking characters on your head. It was weird. It, it was a very odd looking game, but it looked kind of cute. And it had all like the characters I loved in it. So, Nadia, mm-hmm. we need to finish Witcher 3. I really do. <laughs> I need to play it. I just, I need to like, I need to sit the F down and just play that game to a conclusion. Because <laughs> I'm like several, I'm quite a few hours in. I've played, I've played a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Everything about this game really impresses me. But God, like, I feel like it's like that novel. It's like that novel, that critically acclaimed novel that everybody just keeps telling you is amazing. And you like read a few chapters and you're like pushing through rather than being like, I want to keep playing. I want to keep yeah, playing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that was Gone with the Wind. <laughs> so. <laughs> Which are three. The Gone with the Wind of RPGs. Apparently. But I. I really want to like properly like be able to just be like, I finished this game. Mm-hmm. Like I really admire everything it does with like side quests in particular. It's such a rich and well-defined universe. I, the combat's just okay, but it's, it's good. And actually the boss battles are really strong right. in terms of like uh, having to do research. Like it really puts you into the mind of Geralt mm-hmm. and Geralt himself is like a really good character. Like uh, I'm a fantasy Batman. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> The story is good. Like I just, uh, oh man, it's so beautiful, so beautiful. I just, I, I, I'm gonna make that my resolution of 2017. I'm gonna finish Witcher Three. Gotcha. Sounds good. You should too. I think I will. Throw it on the pile now. On the pile. Hashtag throw it on the pile. <laughs> the blood god, the blood god demands it. More sacrifices. Last one, tyranny. Yep. Yep. Gotta finish tyranny. Holy crap. Like, this is a good game. It is. It's a good game from Obsidian. I liked a lot of what it did at the outset um, in forcing you to kind of walk the line between the two factions. Um, I liked the way that it would change the world. It actually was really refreshing to be working for the evil empire Mm -hmm. and being able to really choose how you work for the evil empire, whether you go full evil or you join the rebellion or whatever. Because they were right. Like most RPGs are you're a lone warrior on the road Mm -hmm. fighting a large um, kind of empire. Or you are a, um, you know, you're like a rebel. Yeah. Like that's a common trope in Final Fantasy. Like so often you just like you recruit a ragtag band. Mm -hmm. And then, but in this game, you are, you're evil. Yep. Pretty much. (laughs) No, if you're Darth Vader, you're in some ways Darth Vader. Yes. So I think we both need to play Tyranny. I agree. Are there any other games that we're missing, Nadia, that we need to throw in the pile? Hashtag. <laughs> oh, I think we have enough for now, but I'm sure we'll think of some as soon as we're done No, here. more games. <laughs> I only play games like 24-7. It's all I do. So yeah, are there any games that we missed? Uh, you should send us an email, cat.bailey at usgamer.net. I'm sure that there are some good RPGs that we did not highlight because, God, there are always so many RPGs every year. Um, maybe you want to go to bat for, say, Legend of uh, Legend of Heroes. Not Legend of Heroes. Trails of Cold Steel 2. Yes. That's the one. Maybe you want to go bat for it. Maybe you're like, Cat, God, stop dismissing Trails of Cold Steel 2. It's a really good <laughs> RPG, which you're probably right. But I'm going to let somebody else go to bat for me on that one. Yeah. Um, not a hater. Just maybe not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe you feel like World of Final Fantasy was, should have been called the RPG of the year. <laughs> maybe you feel like Sharp FE, like that is criminal that we overlooked it. 
maybe there is some uh, big Western RPG that we completely glossed over, mm-hmm. like Deus Ex. Send us your thoughts. We would love to hear them. Yes, we because would. Because even if we can't get to every RPG, we are, as disciples of the Blood God, mm-hmm. love all RPGs with all of our heart. We do. And we want to highlight the good ones. And even if we can't get to them, we want to give you the opportunity to share them with our loyal audience. So please send. Everyone can be a disciple of the Blood God. Yes. Well, I mean, all of our loyal listeners are disciples of the Blood God. All hail the Blood God. So it's your duty to talk to us about RPGs, damn it. Your duty. Cat.bailey.usgamer.net, Twitter, the underscore catbot, or send me a DM on the site. Nadia. It's been like two hours. Yeah, this is a this is one of our longer uh, podcasts, isn't it? <laughs> this is like an epic. Yep. Well, it'll give people something to listen to um, when they're trying to avoid their family over <laughs> like over the holidays, and they're like, "Yep, nope, nope, I am done with Aunt May. Uh, I am done with Aunt Juniper. I don't know why I'm throwing these names out. <laughs> Who the I hell has an aunt named Juniper? <laughs> I hope somebody has an aunt named Juniper. Somebody in the Harry Potter universe totally has an okay. aunt named Juniper. Um. I'm sick of drinking wine and trying to forget. Um, everybody is watching It's a Wonderful Life for the umpteenth time. Probably my family. <laughs> uh, I need to listen to an RPG podcast. Oh, look. Two hours of RPG Yay. goodness. I am so happy. <laughs> Yay. So I hope that this was the best Christmas present of all. Aww. Or actually, I hope not. Actually, I hope I think I hope you got a much better present than a, a podcast for Christmas. <laughs> we got a liquor cabinet. Hey, that's pretty cool. Did yeah, you, it was for ourselves. Did you fill it? Um, we got a hundred dollar Bevmo card, mm-hmm. which we are going to take and use to buy some pretty good liquor. Nice. Um, but we, but yes, we did fill it. <laughs> we did fill it. <laughs> now and you have to we empty are going it again. To be enjoy it over the holidays because. This is the last thing that I have to do is post this podcast, and then I am calling it quits. Nice. For a solid week. Beauty. <sighs> and then it can begin all again. The cycle of hype begins. I can already feel it. I can already feel it in my heart. January 12th, yep. Nintendo Switch event. Oh, my God. We're going to have a lot to talk about there. I'm very excited for that. Uh, Torment Tides of Numenera, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh so many good-looking RPGs are coming out in 2017. I am hyped all over again. Oh, my God. Persona 5 alone is yes. going to keep us going for like a month. And, of course, we're going to have more Persona 4 Golden Reports. We are. Until yes. I am done. Until you are done. Keep playing. I Crack am. the whip. The Blood God <laughs> demands it. All right. X of the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever RPG podcasts are sold, or podcasts in general. You should go subscribe to it. Download it. Rate it. Give us a good review. If you are a disciple of the Blood God and you like us, please give us a good review. We want to hear it. Give us five stars. Tell us why you love the podcast. The more people, the more reviews and ratings we get, the yes. more likely you people are going to discover that this podcast is a thing that you should totally listen to it. Share it with all your friends. We love you. Tell your loved ones. The Blood God loves you. Ah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the underscore Capbot. Of course, subscribe and like and rate and all of that things to all of us gamers social media channels 
Find, follow Nadia on Twitter at Nadia Oxford. Follow her blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. She has lots of interesting things to say that uh, I enjoy reading personally. Oh, thank you. I think you would enjoy reading it too. I, I think it's awesome. Like Nadia's love of video games is very pure. And I think that is a very <laughs> important thing. And you know how you know they're pure because she writes about them in her spare time in addition to writing about them for her job. So that just tells you all you need to know. You call them pure, but you haven't read the fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah we're gonna take a break for like a week we are yeah we're gonna go enjoy our holidays uh you have this nice long media rpg podcast to listen to and then we'll be back at the beginning of the new year end of the on fridays as usual and we will get into all of the rpgs of 2017 thanks so much for listening to the show this year this has been an amazing Mm. year it's been a lot of fun blood god it's been so wonderful to have Nadia join us as a co-host. It's been so wonderful to read all of your emails. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, one and all. God bless us, everyone. Yes. Please have a good holiday. Please spend it with family. If you don't spend it with family, spend it with a good bottle of really high-quality liquor and watch your favorite movie or play your favorite RPG. Absolutely. Tell I us about that it. There's a lot of good ones. We just spent two hours talking about all the RPGs you <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nadia, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you. I've been Kat Bailey and for Nadia Oxford and myself. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again in the new year. Happy adventuring. Thank you.